Hey, we want to come out and just say welcome to the One Association Conference of 2023. Man, it's encouraging that all you guys made it. I know there were some complications that happened on the way here, but look how the Lord blessed his people to be able to get here in one place to establish his foundation and to listen to his direction through his word. Guys, our theme for this One Association Conference 2023 is Long Live the King. We're going to be talking to you about the times of, Ib of Ibzan, yeah. this conference, and we can't wait to launch into it. Saints, after such a spectacular worship service, where we have this many people crowded in one room that has a singular focus on pursuing the living God, it's appropriate that we take a moment to consider how we actually got here. I mean, what led up to the creation of a people like this that are dedicated to advancing the gospel around the world. Because this didn't happen by accident. God called each and every one of you and he supernaturally brought us here tonight. So we're gonna begin with a bit of a history for you. In 2011, in 2011, there was a revelation about Elim and the nations from Exodus 15:27. The nation of Israel came across 12 life-giving springs that were feeding 70 palm trees. Those of you who are not familiar with the hermeneutic, 12 represents the tribes of Israel or the people of God standing on earth. 70 represents the nations of the world. This is in 2011. This was the first thing that began the concept of the One Association, caused it to start brewing. That same year, there was a prophetic vision about things that must be set in motion. That all the work that had been accomplished up to that point in time in 2011 were the easy things, were faith builders. But that God had more in store, things that would be much more difficult. Things that would have to be set in motion so that in someone else's life they could continue to carry the kingdom of God like a domino effect in many generations. Can I tell you I'm reminding you of that because we're reaching some of the harder things that God spoke about? And in 2012, one of the best days of my life happened, and I didn't even realize it. It was the day the slaughters planted the Arising Church. <laughs> the Arising Church became a spring that would not just feed the nations, but would feed my soul. Come on. How many people are thankful for the slaughter's audacious act of faith yes. and planting in the Arising Church? Thank you, brother. So 2011, 2012, that leaves 2013, when Submission Ministries was born. Hallelujah! You know, I called Pastor Zeke before to get the history just right, so thank you for that. He told me that following an invitation from John the Dang, Elder John the Dang, the Dang, he was invited to LCM and Zeke visited with his family. And as he entered the worship service with his family, this is what was prophesied. You have been called from where you were and will cross many state lines, 
But the Lord has brought you here to be polished. The Lamb spent three years being discipled at LCM, or polished, which led them to being launched out to establish the ministry in Gainesville that we all love and we all adore. Guys, fast forward a year to 2014 for a moment. What had been written for several years at this point on bar napkins now was finally inked on some real paper. That's right. June 5th, 2014, the One Association of Churches was officially incorporated. What was initially a revelation from the scriptures began to manifest in very physical ways, but we, did, we still did not have a meeting yet. When you think about that, 2015 was our very first meeting. Now in 2015, you may not have known that we had a meeting. That's because it wasn't in the middle of Tennessee, inside of a conference room packed together with hundreds of people. In 2015, the very first One Association meeting was a house meeting with 25 people. And the theme that year, those of us that were there will remember, was the kingdom of God without competition. See, we're beginning to figure out something that God spoke to us in 2011. What does it look like for us to work with one another, sacrifice for one another, to begin to make that dream a reality? 25 people in a room. You know what else came in 2015? In 2015, the O's and articles of the One Association were written in Romania. Now, another spectacular event happened in 2015. King's Harvest Church was reborn under Justin Johnson. Can I say that we've come a long way from a living room today? Yeah, there we go. In 2016, we embarked on our first official One Association Conference at Submission Ministries. How many people in this room were there for that conference? As we met together with about 70 people, our life was shaken by the story of Absalom. And we grabbed hold of the theme that those without sons build monuments. It was at this conference, in one voice, we cried out, we choose sons, not monuments. We left the conference engaged in the fight to eliminate an orphan cycle with the truth that sons are our crowning glory. This is a special year to me as this was the year I was ordained. And it was amazing because I wasn't ordained into a position, but I was welcomed into a brotherhood. This is also the year that Sagi Indonesia was born. Hallelujah! What an incredible year. This was also the year as Pastor Eric came up and opened with Isaiah 49. That this revelation of what was going to happen in the nations through sons who were moving and dressed as ornaments were going to break the hand of Islam. That brings us to 2017. You got to learn to share, brother. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning from the best. 
So as Pastor Massey was saying, 2017, we had the One Association Conference at King's Harvest Fellowship. It's where we talked about the Transjordan tribes. Come on. We were talking about fully autonomous churches that chose, say chose. Chose. Chose to fight for our brother's inheritance. At that point, in that meeting, there was only about 250 people. Considering where we started, that's an amazing feat. That's a tenfold increase since the living tenfold. room. Tenfold. But look at where we're at today. In that same year of 2017, we saw Ehad to Peru born. 2018, this conference occurred at the Arising Church. Come on. That's right. The theme of that conference was never leave the ice. Hey, if you were there in 2018, raise your hand. Wow, look at that multiplication. Guys, we talked about Legia Fulminata. We talked about the 20 martyrs of Sebast, Turkey. We spoke about restoring desolate inheritances by the reconciliation of the descendants of Isaac and the descendants of Ishmael. You'll remember some of those major concepts as well as our goal to defeat Islam and restore the faith of Messiah all the way back to Jerusalem. See, wickedness covered the earth, and that was a major theme. We spoke about the times of Noah, and as wickedness spread, the Bible says, but Noah, but Noah. Noah was a man who found favor with the Lord. He was a man who was kept by the Lord and preserved by God, and he was made to be a father to the entire world because of his righteous stance. We can't move on to 2019 before we mention that 2018 was the year that Remnant Church was born to the One Association. Now, some of you will remember that in 2019, the conference was held at LCM. Our theme that year was DCD, but this time DCD stood for Disciples Creating Disciples. Look, in that conference, we talked about the Talmudian process, where a student rises to become just like his teacher. Can I say the effects of that conference have been rippling through our bodies? I'm looking at men and women who've become like their teachers. We also heard about Christ contemptibles and what it looked like to lay your own life down on a barbed wire fence so that your brothers could go over your back and defeat the enemy. What it meant for us to be like the expeditionary forces of the past in the kingdom of God as we took on new nations and new works. In 2020, we, we met at the stomping grounds of the remnant church. We were running low on creativity this year and called it DCD again. But this time it was disciples confronting danger. And we looked into the life of Elisha, or as Pastor Mike says, Elisha, the prophet, and were stirred to confront the dangers of our time. We spoke about Naaman being the target, and the time had come to burn our plowshares and invest in the future. Hallelujah. We were activated by the dunamis, the power of God, which left us charged to possess all achieving power or manly vigor in the face of opposition. 
no matter the cost. In 2021, we met here at this conference center where we talked about cities of refuge. That meeting consisted of the leadership in the One Association. We talked about widening the roads between our ministries through transparency. There's something about those roads to the cities of refuge. They're actually the widest ones that lead to the cities of refuge. You can have varying sizes of roads, but the widest ones lead to the cities of refuge. What the Lord was doing is deepening our relationships among the leaders through vulnerability. Literally being willing to be stripped, to be examined before each other. Being laid bare and having our lives examined by those who are closest to us, our brothers. Amen. Come on. Church, this is the only way that we can build correctly these roads to the cities of refuge. The next year was 2022. That was last year. We had a corporate conference once again here in Tennessee. We talked about the immortality that you have until your work that was destined by God from the very beginning is totally completed in your life. We talked about how your own personal loss along the way doesn't make you less committed. No, it makes us more committed to God's plan in each of our lives. We talked about fathering sons that were secure. How do we do this, church? You learned about it last year. We treat our sons as equal brothers. This secures them to their call, and this becomes a brotherly relationship that rises them right into the call of Adonai. Your places of loss, those moments that you've lost something for the gospel, Man, those become a sanctuary that you get to look back on. Amen. Looking at the commitment that you had to Adonai's goals. We talked about a man named John G. Payton. He looked at his father, his real father, also his fathers in the faith, and watched the loss that occurred in their lives. And he said, man, if these men can serve God in this way, why not I? And we were inspired by it. Saints, as we sit here today, it's easy to walk in and take for granted what has been built. It's all too easy to forget that it took 12 years to build it. Thanks for the vision that we have, the lives in this room that are called to build effective works. It will require that you develop long-range vision, that you develop the ability to see a target that is far off in the distance and faithfully, sacrificially, Labor even at the expense of your own desires for success day after day until you see it built. Thanks, anything that is worth building will require long-suffering and faithfulness from you. Amen. A vision born in 2011 did not have its first house meeting until 2015. When you think about the things that you are called and destined for, the example before us should cause each of us to set our resolve, to remember what has been done as it equips us for the works that are ahead. As we stand here today in 2023, our theme is the times of Isbon and long live the king. Thanks, when you hear this word, this is not a judge that most people immediately 
know exactly who we're talking about. I mean, let's be honest. Until you saw the T-shirt, you probably had no idea that he was a judge. He's, he's a judge in the book of Judges? I had no idea, Pastor Judah. So before we get into our theme, we're going to set the context a little bit for where we're going in Judges 12. You need to know that Jephthah comes first. Jephthah was a great warrior. I mean, a man who was wrecked, if you know what we're speaking about. Jephthah defeated the enemies of God. Jephthah also saw the death of his own daughter because of his stupid decisions and unwillingness to repent. Few people preach about the fact that Jephthah's testimony, it ends with Israel in civil war because he could not give up his pride. Few people preach about the fact that Jephthah left no sons or leaders behind him to continue peace in Israel. In fact, he left it in desolation. So Jephthah in many ways is a great deliverer like so many that we've seen in history. That is a one-man warrior in show, but when he falls, there's nothing left. Where we're about to pick up, it's a course correction of sorts. It's a rebuke to the prior generation. And to be clear, many of the judges coming after him, or the judge coming after him, like Samson, was not much better than Jephthah. That's true. It's almost like in the book of Judges, between these one-man warrior shows that left nothing behind, Something unique was preserved for us. We're going to pick up in our main text in Judges 12, verse 7. Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah, the Gileadite, died and was buried in a city in Gilead. Despite all of his great warrior attributes, that's all you need to know about Jephthah, because that's all there was after him. After him, Isbon of Bethlehem judged Israel. Now here's the part in the Judges where you'd expect to hear a long list of his warrior exploits. The great armies that he defeated. The battles he fought. What you're about to find out is after you've come off a judge who fought great battles, but left his brothers disunified with no heir, is that God sent an answer to the problem in Israel. He had 30 sons. And, somebody say and, and. 30 daughters. Amen. Woo. Brent, you got some work to do. Zeke's trying. I mean, that's an effort. These 30 sons and 30 daughters he gave in marriage outside his clan. And 30 daughters he brought in from outside for his sons. He judged Israel seven years. Then he dies and he's buried in Bethlehem. Saints, there's things that you should know about this passage before we proceed any further. First of all, Isbon means the father of the target according to Hitchcock's dictionary. I want you to meditate on that when you think about a judge who did nothing but raise 30 sons and 30 daughters and see them sown outside of his own clan. It's almost as if this judge had something more in mind than the battles of his day, but about a unity that was desperately needed in Israel that had been left in civil war by Jephthah. Yeah. Come on. Some of you may have noticed that he lived and died in the 
same place, Bethlehem. It's almost as if this man understood his station and his purpose and was ready to die on that hill. Thanks. When we're considering these times, the unity that was desperately needed by Israel is cured by a man who is recorded as having no supernatural battles, but who is the father of a target and is able to aim at something beyond his present time. Look, I got to be honest. We have something that we're waiting to tell you and haven't yet. Something to announce to you that is the furthering of things that were set into motion a long time ago, well over a decade ago. And it is a target that will require the sowing of sons and daughters, and hear me, outside of our own clans, so that we can fix the times of the past and build to a better future. Amen. Somebody say, Ipsan. Now, the goal, <laughs> the goal of creating a theme around Ipsan isn't just to give you another weird baby name to name your child. Amen. Submission Ministries is taking them all. we got to find some new ones. They're getting taken up. <laughs> but the theme of Ipsan is meant so that we can communicate the vision of what God is doing in the one association of churches. Come on. We are excited to announce to you the formation of the one association Europe. God has brought together our four families to go into Europe to Cluj, Romania, to Bergamo, Italy, Bergamo. Bergamo. in two locations on. as one team. What we are hoping to do is we are establishing these locations as hubs where like Ibsen, say Ibsen, Ibsen. Ibsen. we are going to raise sons and daughters and launch them into the Middle East with the focus being Israel. So how does it work? How does one vision in two locations come together and be carried out by one team? Well, if you can grab your Bible and go to Acts chapter 10. We're going to read about Cornelius. Now, we don't want to insult your biblical literacy through going through each detail of this story, but what you need to know is that Cornelius was a man who was a part of the Italian cohort. He was a godly man, and it says that his prayers and alms were ascending into heaven. Come on. And the Lord speaks to him. The Lord has a desire to answer him according to his prayers. We don't even know what his prayers were, but we are clued in that God doesn't give him the answer, but he gives him the person to the answer. Come on. How many times are you praying, God, I need the answer to this. I need the breakthrough for this. And God sends you somebody. It happened to me. And see, the day after this all happens, Peter has a vision. He sees a sheep being lowered down with all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds in it, and, and he's perplexed by what he sees. Look at verse 17. The same vision, 
but in two locations. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. Verse 18, and they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the same vision in two locations, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. I want to break down two words real quick. Did you see the word accompany them? This isn't just like a reluctantly joining and agonizing over the fact that you have to join. What the word means is to pierce or to run through. Are you willing to pierce and to run through the answers that God brings to your direction? See, what a company speaks to is the urgency in which we must move. But did you notice the next phrase? It says, without hesitation. This is the Greek word diakrino. If the word, first word we looked at, a company speaks to our urgency, this speaks to the mentality we must possess. It means to be without separation, without distinction. And this is the mentality of the man that God is looking for to accomplish his will. I want to tell you about the vision of Romania that was formed personally in me. This vision has been going on for a long time, and God has given me the grace and the honor to become baptized into it. Because what God was doing was what he did with Cornelius and with Peter. He gave the same vision to two people that was meant to be accomplished as one man. There was, a, there was a word in 2015 about Romania being the key to the Middle East. And I remembered hearing about this, and, and I was excited that my brothers were excited, and I was uh, happy to meet and to hear about some of these men that were being raised up. But see, I had my eyes set on my own mission. Anybody ever get caught up in your own mission? Aye. You get caught up in your own call? But see, the Lord is gracious and merciful, and if our desire is to come together as one man, he will make it our call. Come on. And so in 2020, I had this dream, and it was my vision. Say, my vision. My vision. And I invited Pastor Eric, and Pastor Judah was there, and Brian Wilson, fresh father Brian Wilson was there. Fresh father. Sounds like a Catholic charity where you buy clothes or something. That's <laughs> and so <laughs> I had said in my heart we were going to go to Albania, and Pastor Eric happened to mention in passing about friends in Romania, and, hey, these friends are kind of in the same region. We should go see them. Stop in for a minute. Side note. Stop in. Just a, a quick side note. Well, as you know, in 2020, COVID hit the world. And so we were in Romania, and we got stuck in Romania. 
We couldn't go to Albania, but that was God's grace to me. They brought me to the place in the Black Sea where they were downloaded the vision how Romania was going to be used to shoot sons into the Middle East. I was able to meet their friends, and God started stirring in my heart this, this call and this drive that their people are becoming my people. Hallelujah. And we kept in contact with these people. And see, so we go on to 2022, and last year my family went to Italy for three months to gain Italian citizenship. And the Stevens family came out to spend time with us to meet some of the Albanian pastors. But see, God wanted to make sure that our focus wasn't just on our vision because he was building something bigger than us. Because he was wanting sons to rise up and to cross over clans to go toward one vision, one mission. And as we were in Italy... The Lord gave us a dream that there was a man standing on his chair. And in this dream, he stood up and he began to sing out prophetically, the Lord is opening the door for Romania. And I woke up out of this dream and I didn't know what to do. So when that happens, I usually text Pastor Eric. Hi. (laughs) And at the same time I sent them, his wife was on the phone with one of the people, Anka, from Romania, saying, our church needs help. Will you come to us? And my family had the blessing of once again being baptized in this bigger cross-clan vision. See, sons of God from different clans coming together as a singular team are meant to accomplish a singular vision. Amen. This is what happened for Cornelius and Peter. This is what Ibzan fought for to establish the reunification of an entire nation. Visions becoming one. So as you hear Pastor Massey talk about the my vision, have you struggled with that? But how gracious is our king to reveal through the scripture and through our brothers, that just because he speaks to us in multiple locations or two locations, it's actually one vision that he's given us. As we unveil One Association Europe, you may ask yourself, why Italy? Pastor Massey talked to you about why Romania. It's been revealed over decades, but why Italy? How did that come about? It actually started as a small act of faith on behalf of the Massey family. It just so happens in God's sovereignty, he caused his lineage to come from Italy. And in an act of faith, applied for citizenship, which has been granted. We have the passports. Perfecto. That's right, Pastor Slaughter. Passaporto. But Italy, in its specificity, why Italy? Why starting there? It actually birthed, was birthed from a prophecy that was given in Albania. Imagine that. You see, there's a man who has a name, Turi. 
but he has a body that is Nick Massey. And I mean that. He looks just like Pastor Nick Massey. If we could display it, we would, but you're going to have to ask Pastor Nick to see the photo. But we were worshiping at Pastor Turi's house, and we went upstairs to worship with his family, and the presence of God fell in that room. There were many prophecies and words that night, but this one rang true. And here's one of the lines from the prophecy. That men would be unified from north to south and from west to east. You see, the Masses were praying and wrestling with beginning the work in Italy or beginning the work in Albania. But when Nick heard the prophecy that the unification of men in the Balkans would move from west to the east, then he knew Italy was the God-ordained location to begin the foundational work of the One Association Europe. But what's beautiful about this, it wasn't just prophecy and his own interpretation. He had the affirmation of his brothers at the Rising Church. Come on. There's nothing more validating than hearing from God and seeing a vision that's confirmed by prophecy and having your brothers stand with you and affirm that you have heard correctly and this is God's will. You can hear that the Lord has been building towards this for decades. Come on. And with visions of establishing a safe haven for people to worship in the same place without distinction, without diacrino. You know, what's amazing about that word that we shared with him about breaking down distinctions. We came and we were preaching to the churches in Albania, through Romania, everywhere that we went about Making no distinction, just like Peter and Cornelius made no distinction between each other. And it just so happens, when we shared it with them, they shared with us that the churches that they met with there were praying the exact same thing. They were seeing visions of a map without borders. They were seeing alliances between churches that had no boundaries. Much like what God's doing in us. When we talk about Acts 10 and the two experiences with the Lord, but one vision, no division. Let's review Acts 10 in verse 19. It says, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Can I tell you how satisfying it is whenever three men are looking for someone and they find him? It's great to tell you about what God's revealed in this week because it's monumental. It is the answer to things that we've been praying for. So get up and go downstairs. Amen. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. You heard Pastor Massey talk to you about accompanying them. Accompanying them, getting up, it speaks to the urgency of a man's life. Diacrino, making no distinction, speaks to our mentality. When you are accompanying the call of God, like that piercing that he was talking about, it speaks to the urgency that you must act. Come on. But diacrino, making no distinction, is the mentality that we must have. 
We're here to tell you today that the time to act is now. To act without hesitation and to act without making a distinction. Because Adonai has opened a great door for effective work among the nations. And there are people who are waiting for us to arrive. They are waiting for us to see that God gave us one vision. And that one vision was to go and build them up and send arrows into the nations. When Pastor Parson says that there are people waiting for us, I don't want you to misunderstand. We're not speaking about the general lost that are waiting to be saved. Yeah. We mean families that are praying and begging for the moment that we can join them in the work currently. In fact, they're watching this very recording. They are watching and they are waiting. This is our answer to the call that we read about in John 4. Our aim has and always will be on the people that Jesus is drawing to him and on the disciples that we will raise up to be launched out to replicate the way of life that has been handed down to us by our fathers. It's not enough to just take what was given to you by your father and give it to your sons. We must teach to go beyond that, that what was given by a father is given to a son for the purpose of teaching his son, that he must master the fundamentals of the teaching, but he also must master the art of teaching that revelation to the next generation. Let's look at John 4, and many of you are, are familiar with this passage, but we're going to pick up at John 4, 34, where Jesus says, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say, say do not say. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Let's talk about the context of John 4. Jesus has just met a Samaritan woman at this well, and Jesus tells her everything about her life. At another time, we could talk about the Samaritan woman and her life because many people think that she was a whore. But think about it. She has had a life that has been difficult, and Jesus comes and offers her living water. She brings a testimony to her family in the town, and they listen to her. Why would they listen to someone who has no reputation? But she brings a testimony of who Jesus is, and the people listen to her and leave the town and come out to the well where Jesus is. When Jesus tells them, do you not say four months until the harvest? I tell you, look at the fields. Jesus is not saying we're going to harvest this crop of wheat prematurely. What he's saying is look to the fields and what's in the fields. What was in the field, church? The people who were coming from the city seeking Jesus based on the Samaritan woman's testimony. What you need to know further about John 4 is at this point in Israel's history, just like in the times of Jephthah, the people are in a state of disunity because Samaritans don't associate with Jews and Jews don't associate with Samaritans. This is just like the times of Jephthah where there was civil war. 
But Jesus is aiming at the reunification of the 12 tribes in John 4. That they would be unified like the times of Ibzon. In the times of Ibzon where sons and daughters were sown outside their clan to accomplish one singular vision. Do you get the times of Ibzon where we're talking about sowing into other people's lives? We started as individual men, and God has brought us together, meaning the kibbutz or the Erigina Stevens and Parsons. But it became so clear that God was doing so much, something so much bigger when we got our eyes off ourselves and began sowing into others' lives, and we sowed our life into the Massey's call. As we told you, our eyes are on the people, and the Lord has already brought us into contact with several men that Pastor Judah was talking about. We've seen men of peace, and every single time we meet a family, it is a God-ordained encounter. Amen. We want to tell you that these relationships are supernatural signs. They're supernatural signs that we're being helped by the Lord and are serving as a key to unlocking many doors in the Balkans, many doors in Europe, and just to name a few, just so you can hear how precious and how supernatural these events are. We've met an attorney in Italy through things like Airbnb, through Airbnb of all things. But meeting that attorney, it led to him helping the Masseys negotiate a contract on a home that will be a basis for ministry in Europe. Look, I don't know how much interactions with attorneys you've had. I mean, counselor excluded in this room. But on TV, they're particularly excited to help you. Like, they really want to fight for their client. If you've ever had the misfortune of having to deal with attorneys for a long period of time, say over a lawsuit for thousands of dollars, you begin to find out what a supernatural miracle it is to run into an attorney who actually wants to help you, and that free of charge. Yeah. We have pastors like Turi, Albanian Massey. He's probably going to watch this. He'll, he'll find that funny. <laughs> but we have pastors like Turi in Albania that have been praying for brotherhood, and the Lord sent us. We went to Albania and shared the diacrino revelation that I was talking about earlier. It cannot be made up, nor can it be fabricated, that before we shared that message, God had already spoke to them a prophecy about a map without borders, about a people who made no distinction between each other. Because between Albania and Kosovo and Serbia, that's quite the tense relationship. There's a lot of diacrino and distinction. So just to add more supernatural flavor to it, the Lord not only sent us to Albania, but he did it with two Serbians. That's Elder Baj and Pastor Nick. It's fun in Kosovo. But can I tell you that that had absolutely no hindrance on our brotherhood? Come on. It had absolutely no hindrance on our unity because we had found something beautiful in the Scripture. And though we were in two different locations, they were actually one vision, and God caused them to come into contact with each other. Come on, someone, say amen. Sometimes I feel so helpless in the call of God because his ability to lead me 
is so much better than my ability to follow him. But yet in his goodness, in his grace, in his mercy, he causes his will to come about every Amen. time. We have brothers in Romania like Yannicka, Christy, who we spoke with this morning, and Daniel, who have gone completely out of their way to help us in so many things. There are five families that we mentioned earlier that Pastor Judah mentioned that are asking for discipleship, asking for teaching, crying out for what they have. And we're going to them, church. There are faithful saints that have been cultivating relationships. We have been cultivating these relationships with for over a decade that are waiting for us to arrive, that we might share life together. Those families are like Niku and Anka Barbu, who we also spoke with this morning because they're like family. In fact, they are family. They're brothers, they're sisters. These encounters are supernatural confirmations that the work of the One Association Europe is the answers to years of prayer and a response to the hunger of, of the hunger of the gospel in the region of the Balkans. Like Cornelius and Peter that we talked about earlier, you will see that the answer to one man's prayer is often another man. You might see that in your life, the answer to your prayers and how are you going to accomplish the call of God on your life is going to be the ones that are setting to your left and right. What an amazing thing when God gives you friends. Can I tell you, money comes and money goes. Cars, you buy them, they break down. But there's no more precious gift than a brother that the Lord brings to you that will stand by your side in every, any, any and every circumstance. One association in Europe is happening. God is causing it to come about. But now we get to share with you what God has done in our lives because it must be replicated in your life as well. It cannot stop with us. It has to continue through you and through your sons and your grandchildren in perpetuity. A charge to the churches in this room. Like we mentioned in John 4, we can no longer say four months more. We can no longer say four months more to any division between us. We can no longer say four months more to any difference that we have. We can no longer say just four months more to any discrepancy or disparity between us, our brothers, or even the disciples that are being raised up. We must make that barrier crumble under the word of God and the unity that we have, where we do not make distinctions between this church and that church. These people and that people, the way they dress and the way we dress, the way they sing and the way we sing, but let Diacrino die Amen. that the work of God may go forward and the generations may carry this on without distinctions between each other. Hallelujah. This is exactly what we are building here, and our king is helping us, church. There was no one who had a greater... Uh, temptation to have Diacrino in his life than our brother Turi when we got to Albania. 
But can I tell you that immediately when we got there, there was absolutely zero separation between us and his family? None at all. There was zero diacrino between our teams and his teams, zero diacrino between his entire congregation and our entire people group. Guys, this is supernatural in every way. It's absolutely, absolutely supernatural the way that it worked out. And I know a few of you are not as educated in your history as some of the older men in the room. For two Serbians to walk into Albania is a little bit like asking to be gunned down because of a prior history between the two countries. And yet the entire congregation rejoiced because they had a word about all borders being broken down, about all national differences being destroyed. But it wasn't just a word about it. They did something about it. Pastor Turi of this church initiated with other pastors from Serbia, from the surrounding countries, and he went himself and washed their feet as a prophetic move from God saying that reconciliation will happen. And I want us to get into a little application tonight because there is diacrino in here between people. There are divisions that the Lord is saying must be broken down so we can move forward as one family Come on. into the vision that he has set forth for us. And I want to encourage you that that is broken down through serving one another. Through offering your forgiveness, expecting nothing in return. And only when we get to that place can we march together as one man with a singular vision into what the King of Kings has spoken. Like in the times of Ibzan, our present times demand something. And it's not just what we do. It's sons that we sow into different clans. Saints, we're telling you that we're an example of something that's going to happen more and more inside of the churches. We're going to see teams that are formed between teams, Paul Rosales, between churches, I mean. We're going to see actual physical sons and daughters sown into other clans. Man, why would somebody like Ibzan intentionally sow seed outside of his own clan? I mean, look, it's not like it's more convenient to have to travel and make the arrangements. Or a little worse to get to submission ministries. <laughs> it's because Ibzan recognized that they needed a new kind of unity and stability that could only be formed by reaching out from where they were and establishing lifelong connections outside of their local body. So we're telling you, church, that we have a singular vision. A singular vision that many of us have received different insights and aspects about. But like Peter and Cornelius, they are in fact one vision and God is bringing it to pass. While we're thinking about that, we're working to actively strengthen the futures of every one association church through godly marriages and godly covenants with our associations. The one association Europe is beginning with one team. One team that will be in two different locations. We're going to be working in Italy and in Cluj and rotating our families between. Always together, never alone. But we're operating in two different localities at the same time. Come on! Two becoming one! 
Why don't we take Acts 9.31 for just a moment. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Somebody say that's good. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Somebody say that's better. You should notice that the text says that this is one church throughout all of these regions. So we've laid down a foundation that is the removal of diacrino, that is the forming of one church in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria in these locations. What we want to tell you is that the Balkans are a place filled with disunity and spiritual principalities that hate each other's guts. That's why a vision about the borders being destroyed is such an extraordinary thing. The Balkans are in a situation that is Jephthah, like so many in today's environment. But the cure is Ibzan, sowing sons into the work. Yeah. Guys, the goal for us is to dissolve the fake borders of nations in the Balkans. The worldly borders that have nothing to do with what the will of God is and the spiritual will that God desires for us to follow. He wants every nation to be part of the same goal. He wants every nation to display one unified church what we're going to do is start with our team first and foremost. Amen. We're going to start with the four families that God has given us, our unified team. And he's going to make sure that we go and set that example as a team so that all of these so-and-so nations, all the way in Europe and in the Middle East, Europe and Eastern Europe will be able to look at the example that we're setting and follow that example. We're all Ibzan. Every single one of us here are Ibzan from Judges chapter 12. Guys, you got to know that Ibzan's name means fathers of the target. We're all fathers of the target. We're all called to strengthen our collective future. Amen. How are we going to do this? We're going to do this through godly marriages. Yeah. We're going to do this through godly covenants with our churches and with the unified associations. Uh, the Balkan bow is going to launch a quiver. That quiver is going to have Psalm 127 collective arrows that it's filled with. Arrows that have also been discipled collectively by our whole association. And the greatest aim of all of us must be to rightly set the target for our sons so that our sons will hit the mark that God has planned for them to hit. This is accomplished by sowing your sons into the future works outside of your clan. We must know the times and the seasons that we are in right now. Church, family, association, we right now are in the times of Ibzan. Thanks. While you're thinking about this, we're not yet done with the work that we have in the United States. So why are we talking to you about another association in Europe? As it turns out, God often calls us to plant new things while we're still working on the things he already entrusted to us. 
Look, we're not going to go into it, but a careful study of the book of Acts will not show you a neat, pretty, linear progression where all the work was finished in Jerusalem. Then all the work was finished in Judea. Then all the work was finished in Samaria. And then the ends of the earth. No, they're spread out and they continue the progress wherever they are. What God is doing is expounding upon an original vision. There will be 12 springs and 70 palm trees that are fed from it from this association. But that same pattern will be replicated. And we will do it by living like Ibzan, not Jephthah, who just wanted his own battle and glory. Now, since you'll remember, a part of our theme was long live the king. We're going to pick up in a time period that is long after the judges. Long after sinful Saul is gone. Long after David and Solomon have reigned. But the time frame we're picking up in, well, it's very much so like the time frame of Jephthah. Almost like it's not about Jephthah, it's about a spiritual disease that is more focused on one man's reign and not the generations. So we're going to pick up in 2 Kings 11 together in verse 1. Somebody say there when you're there. Oh, come on, church. You have Bibles. Tell me you're there when you're there. Now when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal family. Look, there's some things you need to know about this sadistic grandmother. For one, she's a daughter of Jezebel. And the royal line that she's destroying are her grandchildren. I think I know her too. I I don't know how that worked, but somehow I feel like I know a couple women who could be called Athaliah. Again, that's because it's a spiritual disease when someone is more concerned about their own royal power and not the generations coming after them. But this sets up a pretty interesting scenario. All the royal line destroyed all the royal family, the text said. This is the line of David. In verse 1, it seems as if all hope is lost and that all the royal line of David is gone, except for one courageous woman in her next verse. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, daughter of a king, man, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being put to death. And she put him and his nurse in a bedroom. Thus they hid him from Athaliah, so that he was not put to death. Thanks, what a courageous woman. She put her life on the line for the promises of God. Look, you need to understand this is not just saving one child. This is saving the last heir of David. If he doesn't exist, you don't have a Christ. It just so happens Jehoshiba's name means Yahweh is my oath or he is my commitment. Meaning that since he has willed it, it is my oath and my commitment regardless of what it costs me. You know, I grew up in the side of ministry and I was there when most of your churches were started. And I know some supernatural women. I mean, pastors' wives, that Yahweh is their oath and is their commitment. I've noticed over the years that those kind of women, they're married to a priest. 
Let's keep going in verse 3. And we're going to hear a little bit more about what has progressed while they're hiding this heir that will produce the Messiah. And he remained with her six years. You know, to do one courageous act of faith and save somebody from a car on the street, bravo, happy for it. But for six years, I'm not going to talk about the things that you people are hiding in your hotel rooms that do not make certain policies, but she, or, she is hiding a child for six years in the temple. Yes, we mean a child and why are you considering this? Can you empathize with what kind of faith it takes to rescue someone in the face of certain death? And then add on top of that what it looks like to protect a child that cries, that whines, that is sometimes loud for six years? Well, there's an evil queen in power searching for his life. That kind of daily pressure, that kind of daily grind to stay faithful to what God wants done. Like I said, amazing women have amazing husbands. They tend to be married to real priests. With that in mind, we're going to continue in the text, and you're going to hear about the extraordinary husband of Jehusheba. It says in verse 4, why don't you look down, it says, But in the seventh year, Jehoiada, which means Yahweh knows, or whom Yahweh has cared for. You know, a man who is known and cared for by God is given a wife who is committed to God. Oh, come on! Hey, how many people are single in here? Should we get this out of the way now? Uh, how many people are single in here? Raise your hand. All right, everybody, look around. No, 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 but don't slide your hand. Just, just look around a little bit. Spencer, Spencer is not is this year. not. Everyone take a good look. All right, back to the text. Here we go. It's temporary for you, too. <laughs> that was a freebie. So we have a priest who calls together a group of warriors as guards, as protectors, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But they are in a world that is characterized by violence towards God's people. Did you know that this has been the way it is since the very beginning, even with Noah? It says in Genesis 6-11, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. Hey, can I give you something? Did you know that the word violence in Hebrew is Hamas? Because it's not just about a people group, but it is a power in a principality that is coming against the people of God to stop the call, to stop the line, and to kill the king. But see, God's sons rise up. Hallelujah! Faithful priests begin to impart to men what they need to stand guard. And look at what happens. Come on. It says, And Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of the Karites, one group, and, say and, and, of the guards, another group. I want to give you a little history 
The Karaites were, were this, this Gentile executioner group. Think about that. It was a group of Gentiles who were known as life guardsmen. They were an elite class of bodyguards and executioners. A Gentile group. But next to them, it said, and the guards. And I want to tell you about these guards. These were probably guards of the temple, Jewish Levitical Israelites. And you have this picture of both Jew and Gentile with one warlike vision coming together to declare, long live the king. Long live the king. Come on. And he brings these two groups together, this Cornelius group and this Peter group, come together under one vision, with one purpose, having one job. And it says, and he had them come to him in the house of the Lord. Come on. He brings them together, and I want you to see the next thing that happens. It says, and he made a covenant with them and put them under oath in the house of the Lord, and he showed them the king's son. Did you notice that an oath had to be made about the direction and the mission and the vision before the son was revealed? See, I believe there are people in here that are half in and half out. And you're just looking for, you're like, oh, yeah, let me see these sons get raised up. Let's see these sons who are going to be shot into the Middle East. And then maybe after I see the son, I will be completely in. But see, what God does is he says, no, be faithful to make that oath, and then I will show you the sons. Come on. I think there's going to be a solidification of oaths in this place. Come on. Hallelujah. Toward the singular mission and vision we are going toward. Amen. See, the sonship, the kingship can only continue when they're surrounded by the right people. The right people are men and women who are committed to spiritual violence, who are bound by an oath. And that leads to the revelation of the son. See, the king wasn't protected. The king wasn't made by himself. He had a priest in his life. He had warriors in his life. As you think about the kings that are coming after you, I'm not saying that you are the king, but the sons are the kings that we are protecting. As you see them, it is your job, it is your mandate to be a faithful carerite, a warrior, and a priest to make sure they have the protection and the guardianship they need to carry out the call that has been placed on their life. This is the day where carerites have to rise among us. This is the day where faithful men need to owe themselves to being the priests of their own families so that sons can be raised and shot forth into the nations. Amen. My friends, we have a, a job to do. See, it wasn't just the right people were put in place to protect the kingship. But look down at the text. I want you to see that they were strategically placed, and we're going to look at a couple places, but I just want to comment on two. 
And he commanded them, it says in verse 5, this is the thing that you shall do. One third of you, those who come off duty on the Sabbath and guard the king's house, that's the first place to guard, the house. Men, are you guarding your house? Are you standing as a care right at your house, knowing well what comes in, not just through the front door, but through the TV screen? Knowing the kinds of conversations that are happening in your house. You must guard your house. Another third being, being at the gate, sewer. And a third at the gate behind the guards, a little backup, shall guard the palace. I want to tell you about the sewer gate. This is also known as the foundation gate. See, we can take for granted the teachings, the, the, the fatherings, the times like this that we have together, and we can just let them begin to slip out of our minds. But see, there's a guarding of the foundation that must take place. The foundation of your faith, the foundation of what you received. Not just from the own time in your Lord, but I'm talking about the fathers who imparted it to you. See, one of the lies of the enemy is that you ha once you get sent out, you have to build a new foundation. It is a lie. We are just taking the blocks, the building, the materials of the foundation where we came from and planting them somewhere else. Amen. We are learning as a family how to guard that foundation gate in our lives. Men like this must rise up with one voice and declare, long live the king. I hope you're feeling the weight and the responsibility that you have to guard your homes. You know, oftentimes when we think about guarding our homes, we feel like there's an opponent that needs to approach itself before we begin to act. Can I tell you the most harmful things in our homes are often benign, and they're hidden. You must be daily prepared, daily taking action to guard your home, lest Athaliah come in to try to kill your king. Let's continue in our text. As we continue in the text, we want you to know that you're going to notice three things. Because this is never a one-man process. You're going to see the priest continues to lead. He's going to organize He's going to provide specific things that really help out with this battle. You're going to see that the priest, these guards that are made up of Karite Gentiles as well as Levitical priests, but form one security team of sorts. It's an interesting picture. They're going to meet up with the people of Israel. And something is going to culminate that will require action. Let's continue in the text. 2 Kings 11, picking up in 9, reads, The captains did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And they each brought his men who were to go off duty on the Sabbath with those who were to come on duty on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. So what's happening is these priests were coming on duty to preserve the only descendant of David that was left. Last one. 
Athaliah had killed all the other descendants. And there is one, Joash, who is left. And it requires that men come on duty. It's time to come on duty, church. It's time to rise up and spring into action because our future kings are worth it. In verse 10, and the priest gave to the captains the spears and shields that had been King David's, which were in the house of the Lord. So undoubtedly, the temple treasury was filled with many weapons, many weapons that have been taken over years of conquest. And many kings that have reigned up to this point, they've been collecting these weapons. However, Jehoiada, Jehoiada the priest, priest, he chooses to bring out the weapons that were deposited into the armory by King David himself. He wanted King David's weapons for King David's son. This is because Jehoiada knows that the weapons cultivated by a king were of great use in the hands of a future king. Come on. on. These priests are rising up to protect the only descendant of David that he may be crowned. And they're arming themselves and are going to arm him with King David's weaponry. Can I tell you that the weapons that we use to protect the call To protect the call in our sons, our future kings. The weapons we use to protect their call are the same weapons that they will use to perfect their call. These ancient weapons handed down by our fathers. These are weapons that are preserved, have preserved the king's life. And one day they will be the same weapons that he uses to preserve the lives of his own descendants. Is the same going to be the same? Is the same thing going to be said of your household? That the weaponry of old that has been handed down to you will be carried on in perpetuity through your generations. Are you preserving the weapons of warfare that brought you deliverance? Are you keeping them in the armory? Are you keeping them in a place where they cannot be stolen? Are you keeping them where they're ready to be transferred at the appropriate time? Come on. When the king's ready to be crowned. Let's pick up in verse 11. Even if you remain silent during that, I know for many of you that is true. You are preserving the weapons of old. And you're ready to give them to your sons, these future kings. Verse 11. And the guards stood... It's a good day when guards stand up. Amen. It's a good day for our sons. It's a very terrifying day for the enemy. Every man with his weapon in his hand, from the south side of the house to the north side of the house, around the altar and the house on behalf of the king. Then he brought out the king's son, and he put the crown on him. Hallelujah. And he gave him the testimony And they proclaimed him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and they said, Long live the king. Long live the king. You need to remember, Joash was the only surviving remnant in the line of David. And if he dies, the game is over. 
all the forces of hell are against the rightly anointed king being crowned. And what is the response? They formed an armed human shield around the king. It was actually themselves that they surrounded the king with. They just happened to be armed. Can I tell you as I stand here tonight, I see a bunch of human shields. But man, are you armed? Are you armed? Furthermore, they crowned the king in his calling. We're armed with the weapons of old while we are crowning the future kings in their calling. We must be able to look at our sons and disciples and crown them in their calling even before they're of age. Maybe seven. I know a thing about raising a child for seven years because my daughter turned seven today. Can I tell you? She is going to be the greatest gift that I give away in my life. Amen. That sounds like a cry of experience. But while I'm preserving these weapons for my sons who are coming up quickly, can I tell you that you're also growing alongside them? That you're always filling your armory with weapons of old. Finally, the testimony is placed in the king's hand as a fulfillment of Deuteronomy 17. The Deuteronomy 17 mandate is that everyone who is anointed king, they must write their own copy of the testimony. I hope you see the beauty in that. Because if you're an anointed king and you receive a copy of the law, who do you think wrote it? Probably the king that reigned before you, much like a father who hands it down to a son. And the son begins to study it, write it down as his own to be preserved for the next generation and the next future king. So we can see the faithfulness of Jehoiada to arm the guards to protect the future king and place the items for the king in his hands led to the people being able to shout, Long live the king. Amen. As we're showing you tonight, there was much preparation, much guarding, much arming of the people to be able to shout that phrase, Long live the king. If we're not guards who stand up and take our post, that phrase may be taken from our lips. But in the name of Jesus, that will not happen. Let's pick up in 13. When Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people, she went to the house of the Lord to the people. And when she looked, there was a king standing by the pillar, according to the custom. And the captains and the trumpeters beside the king and all the people of the land rejoicing and blowing trumpets. And Athaliah tore her clothes and cried. You know, things that make you go, Bleh. She cried, treason, treason. Then Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains who were set over the army, bring her out between the ranks and put to death with the sword anyone who follows her. For the priest said, let her not be put to death in the house of the Lord. Which I, that's, that's kind of a nice, this is the Lord's house. We don't want your filth here. Get that thing out of here. Get that thing out of here. So they laid hands on her, and she went through the horse's entrance to the king's house. And there she was put to death. It's a great day when the witch is dead. Praise God. 
Can I tell you a proverb? It's found in Proverbs 10:24, where it says, What the wicked dreads will overtake them, but what the righteous desire will be granted. Hallelujah. The wicked dread the kings being crowned in this house. The wicked dread men rising up and taking hold of their calling. And for the righteous, though hell tries to stop it, your desires will be granted. Our job is to protect these future kings. And we will by employing the same items that Jehoiada did. Now let me review these items that Jehoiada employed that we will as well. The items used in making him king were the weapons of old. Come on. What are the weapons of old? Foundational teachings are the weapons of old. Your marriage teaching, parenting teaching, singles teaching. The foundational teachings that have been built by the One Association are the weapons of old that we are giving to our future kings. We're giving them what the foundation has been laid on. The second thing is we're giving them crowns. We're crowning them with their calling and speaking into their potential before they are fully mature. Come on. We will not wait to speak calling and vision into our sons' lives, into our disciples' lives. Even before they are fully mature, they are, no, they are going to know what they are to become. The best part is they're going to be given everything they need to get there. And the third thing, the copy of the covenant. We are giving them devotion to the word of God. That allows for future revelation of the word. What one father gives a son, the father will take, expand, and give to his sons, and so on and so forth in the name of Jesus. We are done with the time of Athaliah and Jephthah. Come we on. are in the time of Ibsen, and we say, long live the future king. Hallelujah. Guys, are you ready to move on in 2 Kings chapter 11 and verse 17? And look at what making this young man king actually resulted in in the lives of these men. 2 Kings eleven seventeen, And Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and people, and that they should be the Lord's people, and also between the king and the people. Then all the people of the land went to the house of Baal and tore it down. Hallelujah! They tore down his altars and his images. They broke in pieces. They killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before his altars. And the priest posted watchmen over the house of the Lord. Hallelujah! And he took the captains, the Karaites, the guards, and all the people of the land, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord, marching through the gate of the guards to the king's house. And he took his seat on the throne of the kings. Amen! Verse 20 goes on to say, So all the people of the land rejoiced. Can I hear hallelujah? And the city was quiet after Athaliah had been put to death with the sword at the king's house. Praise God for the death of that winch. Gentlemen, you may smoke. Also, while you're thinking about verses 17 through 20, I want to read 2 Chronicles 24-4 to you real fast. It says, After this, Joash 
decided to restore the house of the Lord. There are three main components in these passages, three results of making him king. Now, we're going to come out and say it in a Peshat way. These three are also the results of making our sons and our sons' sons into kings. Are you ready for number one? Number one is covenant. A covenant that occurs between the people, between the king, and between the Lord. Guys, like Ibzan, strengthening our future through covenants. These covenants include covenants of marriages. Not just in our churches, but across our churches. Amen. And across our associations as well. We're going to have covenants between families, teams of families, and even regions of the world. We're going to have covenants between one associations on the different continents of the world. And we're going to have lasting covenants through our generations. Number two, the destruction of latent idolatry. Come on. Covenants between the righteous always produce the destruction of age-old idolatry. idolatry. See, most of the time, most of the time, these kind of idolatrous things that have lasted for a long time, even through generations, they require the right kind of covenants to be able to expose and to destroy. The war is won by many brothers committed to life together. And not just committed to life together, committed to death together, no matter the circumstance. This is what destroys lingering idolatry in each of us. And it also helps to focus us all on what really matters in the very, very short time that we've been given in our generation. You ready for number three? Yeah. Number three is that the temple of God is restored. The real, the genuine, the lasting work of God is established and expanded as one stone is interwoven with another stone, one at a time after the other after the other to build the actual temple of God here on the earth that everybody can see as a testimony to Yahweh God. You should be hearing right now one people, one vision, one temple. I want to highlight real quickly before I give it to Pastor Judah. Look just right now at what the Lord has done with our association in just the last 12 years. If you think about it, it could be seen as a long time for a lot of us. It's not a very long time. 12 years and look at what God has done with this association. Guys, we are one spirit, one body, and one kingdom, and we are just getting started. Thanks. We want to tell you that the original vision in 2011, it's not been deterred. It's not been derailed. It's not been changed in any way. This was always the purpose. It's the expansion of the original vision. Again, there will be 12 springs here in the United States. There will be 12 springs raised up that will feed the 70 nations. We're prophesying to you today through the faithful actions to stretch beyond what we have already completed that there will also be 12 springs in Eastern Europe. 
that God will raise that up in the One Association Europe to feed the nations. Pastors, that he's going to do the same thing in Sagi. That he's going to do the same thing in South America. That we are repeating a pattern that will actually change the world. Twelve years is no small sacrifice when you realize that we're actually affecting the end of the age. Look, I want to recap a couple of things for you. Ibzan, he was the cure to a desolate and broken system of judges. Let it stop being about your own great battles and let it be about sowing into the clans that are not yours. What we just saw with Joash, it took three groups. It took a priest who could stand up and say, I'll make this son into something. It took guards that were both Jews and Gentiles to stand side by side and make sure that nothing cut his calling out from underneath him. And it took a people who were willing to rally and declare, long live that king. They used three sets of weapons. All of them weapons, whether you knew it or not. Some were spears and shields from David that were the armament of old Philistine kind of killing weapons. He also had a covenant or a testimony. He had the book of Deuteronomy put in his hands. Look, when you learn to use the word of God as a sword, there is no greater weapon in a young king's hands. And then they gave him the prophetic insight of what he would become with a crown and declared him a king. Can I tell you personally, there's been no greater shield than a father looking at me, telling me what I will be even though I don't think I am yet? That resulted in a total societal shift that affected everyone outside of this family. We saw latent idolatry removed. We saw a covenant with the people, with the king, and their God established. And then what happened? The house was repaired and expanded. Saints, we are on the edge of expansion, and it will take every level of this house, every level of armament, and every level of commitment, but we will reap every result. You got me in the feels with that last comment. You've had a long day. You've traveled from the corners of our country. And I don't want to drag this out because we have many sessions yet to come. But we did let you sleep in. You don't have to be here till 10. It's not really sleeping in for me, but you knew that. Could you be any prouder of what the One Association is producing? Don't forget how they came into being. I want to start something that is high level with you and just trust that the Lord will help us. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and, somebody say and, and. in all Judea, and, say and, and. Samaria, and. and, to the ends of the earth. I don't know, to my Western mind and poor pork-eating Gentile, forgive me Jeff, wherever you're at, I would have liked to have completed a mission in Jerusalem before I had to move to Judea and then completed that before we had to move to some part of the end of the earth. 
That's not how God works, though. He will give you an encouraging, painful start in one location, and about the time that you start to see some level of cohesiveness, it's like, do it again there. And you're like, but I'm not done here. And he's like, I know. It'll always be beyond you, which is why it's going to take sons. In Acts 2.42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. How do you not complete in Jerusalem, still move to Judea, not complete in Judea, and still move to the ends of the earth and have any level of cohesiveness? From adherence to the foundational teachings that you were given. That's how. Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Wouldn't you have expected that sentence to say the church is? The reason that our shirts say one spirit, one body, one kingdom, even though we are in association of churches, is we are actually one church. And we make sure that the churches are fully autonomous Precisely because we're Protestants and don't like the hierarchy of a papacy. Because it's unbiblical. But it is also unbiblical to see us as individual churches. Do you understand that two things can be true at once? You can be an autonomous church but be a part of a larger body of Christ. And not in some universal way. Like the body of Christ globally, whether I know him or not. No, we are very much a family that has a common origin. And some of you came in at different times and places, and so you're not as aware of the origin, which can mean that you don't appreciate what you've been given because you weren't there when it was created. We need a reunification among our churches in the one association. I almost say that again. We need a reunification among the congregations in the one association. Can I tell you, pastors of the one, if you are ordained in the one association, would you stand to your feet? These men are from Indonesia. They are from Peru. They are from Virginia, Louisiana, Sugarland, Denton, and Crystal Lake. They are completely unified in the establishment of the One Association Europe. They see no di diacrino between their ministries, and unanimously, every man here said, This is of God, and we want to support it. Please sit down, pastors. Now, if you are sheep in those churches, congregants in those churches, cherished in those churches, being blessed by those pastors' lives. Understand something. You have the pastors that you have because there was a one association before you came to the church. Most of them were discipled during the time that God was breathing the vision of the one association. This has always been about your pastors and then those they would raise up, which is you. 
It was never about a papacy. It was never about a singular family. It was never about anything other than the greatest expansion of the gospel that our communities have ever seen. So what can we do? How do we get that reunification? Well, we could all hug each other. And I, I love Mark Morrison. I'll take a hug from Mark. The rest of you stay away from me. We could have a powerful time of worship. It'll get us all in beat, all in step. And, the, and that is a kind of unification. But what happens when the song ends? I'll tell you how we'll get it. You have to learn. You have to learn the basic premise of the book Law Dog. You don't just have to learn it. You have to understand it to the place where you can implement it in your life. I've been kind of a pansy. I've not been this direct in the past about these things. I'm like, oh, me, maybe, maybe it's not that good. I don't, I don't know. Maybe discipleship training, maybe it's just, it's not that good. No, it's good, and you know it's good because it produced your pastors. We don't just have to learn it and understand it. We have to implement it in our own lives. And then we have to be able to teach it like they taught the doctrine of the apostles. Amen. So let me run through some of these for you. Some things that have been there for almost your church's entire existence. A scared 25-year-old kid had a revelation about the importance of the Tanakh. He'd been ordained for many years, but realized that he had not understood the importance of the Tanakh. And so the book Law Dog was born. If you haven't read it, you need to. Not because it's well written, but because if God could give it to a dumb redneck and it create something like what we're looking at, then he meant for you to have it as old treasure. How about marriage training? I'm about to give away the Abigail that your Abigail traits were named for. And it's my greatest pleasure to do so. Luke Ledesma is a king. Have you learned marriage training? Can you implement it in your home in a way that you're proud of? Can you teach it to other people? Like Paul told Timothy, entrust these things to reliable men. How about parent training? You were handed parent training. Something happens when you're handed something, though. Like if you had to buy it or write it, you might value it differently. I won't be too much like those guys. What does that mean? We are the same body. It sounds like teenage individualism to me. How about the singles training? You realize that almost all of the pastoral marriages happen because of singles training? You understand it? You single people, can you implement it? Can you teach it to another generation? How about discipleship training? Oh, man, yeah, we went through that. Uh-huh. 
I understand you went through it. Could you recreate it if you didn't have your book? Ministry training. Did you pass the course? Did you check the box? Or is it such a daily part of your life that you no longer have to even think about it? It's what comes out naturally. How do we get reunified? What does it mean to have the ancient weaponry? Have you raced ahead and searched for your own new treasure before you have mastered the old treasure you were given? How about the revelation of Elium and the nations that is the parent scripture of the one association that all of your churches are a part of and that produced all of your pastors? Could you teach it? Is it written in, or is it new to you tonight? These brothers told us that we have to cross our clans. Where you at, Justin Linton? Don't you get nervous we're talking about the clan. <laughs> we're crossing our clans to accomplish one vision. Can I tell you that starts with the very oaths of the one association? Amen. Well, I know what the oaths are. I kind of agree with them. I mean, I, I think I do. You want to do something in ministry? God put you in a one-association church. Why do you think he did that? If he had wanted you to be a Methodist, he would have put you in the Methodist house. And you would have a nice, comfortable life and get to pastor next to a woman who is also your pastor. The unification of a singular vision occurs when we baptize ourselves in the old weapons that we were given. Look, we're going to practice marriage between churches. I can feel the Reddit keyboards clicking away now. I'm tempted to not explain that. I don't mind the controversy. But I'm going to explain it for your benefit, not theirs. In the same way that daughters are being given from one ministry to another and sons are receiving daughters from ministries. And it's not just a family or two. Yeah, see the Morrisons pumping their hands? And it's going to happen everywhere because it will knit us together so that there is no such thing anymore as submission ministries is sending a team here. No, we all send them or they're not going. There's no such thing anymore than, hey, the Utah team is going from arising. No, 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 no. They're not just the arising. It's all or none. And what you're going to see happen as we share these marriages between churches is multi-church plantings are going to occur. In other words, your team will be men from other churches, just like you saw on this stage tonight. They told us to pierce through, go out without distinction between you and them. Have you had some distinction between you and the other churches? Now, don't you answer me out loud, because I know you. We'll share an elevator together. I just really like the way we do worship, though. Oh, 
that's not distinction. I don't know what it is. I just really love our pastors. I don't know so much about those guys. We're the same family. What makes you think you can say that about our brothers? You see what I'm talking about, eliminating distinction? We're going to get rid of it this week because we all need each other. We need each other. The world is waiting and we need each other. Jehoiada and Jehosheba. A beautiful marriage. I'm going to contemplate the meaning of their names for the rest of my life. But I know what a Jehosheba looks like. Pardon me, I forgot where I was for a minute. <laughs> We're going to practice the saving of spiritual sons that would have been orphans if they never met us. We're going to protect our future kings. But we do it by unifying as church bodies. They told us that Jephthah sacrificed his future to win in his present circumstances. Did y'all hear that? We're going to learn to sacrifice in this present time to preserve our future. We're going to come on duty. We're going to preserve the armory of ancient weapons. We're going to arm our future kings with the ancient weapons because we will have mastered them ourselves and invested them into those men. We're going to say, long live the future kings. There's future kings all over this room. They told us to have the weapons of old. They told us to give the future kings their crown before they're fully mature. Can I tell you that takes some faith? But I remember when Nick Slaughter was still listening to a 12-inch subs in the back of his car, had a seat kicked all the way back, barely leaning over, Thank God for Jesus and thank God for Lindy. (laughs) And yet when I looked the young man in the eye, I knew he would be better than me. And I appreciate you not all agreeing out loud so fast. But it's true and I acknowledge it. Before they're fully mature, we're going to put crowns on them. We're going to give them a copy of a covenant. A covenant of every kind. Think of this. Teach them the covenant of marriage. Teach them the covenant between them, Jesus, and their church. Teach them the covenant of an unbreakable brotherhood in a team plant. You'll never be more faithful to Jesus than you are the men who are working alongside you. All of you who want to be ordained, all of you who hope to do something for Jesus, if you don't get that down, We're never going to get very far. Everything that you see is built on covenant loyalty between me and Matthew Pirro. Covenant loyalty between Matthew Pirro, me, and Justin Johnson. And then Wade Sutherland, and on and on and on. And it is unbreakable. We're going to plant in every region of the world. But it's not going to be an LCM plant. It's not going to be a King's Harvest plant. It's not going to be a Soggy plant. We're going to do it together, and God's going to begin to mix our teams. But tonight, somebody say tonight. Tonight. But tonight, Tonight. we're not talking about future plants. 
We're talking about one that's happening right now. This endeavor is going to require us to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. Think through this. We're going to relocate all of the Masseys. All of the Stevens. If you put water on the Stevens after midnight, more kids come out. <laughs> all of the Arizinas. All of the Parsons. They're going to form a Balkan bow in one association Europe. They're going to aim all of their little future kings into the Middle East. How many of you dream your kid becomes a doctor or a lawyer? You're aiming too low. How many of you have been saving for your kid's college fund? You're wasting your time. Why? So they can go learn to support Hamas? The Lord will help us do this because the Lord wants it done. Now is the time for the mutual sacrifice of all. We can no longer depend upon the generosity of a few. In eternity, you will want to have contributed to this endeavor. Because you're going to be standing next to men that were saved as a result of these efforts. There's a danger in doing this. Immature Christians get excited about these kind of things. And so they forego their tithes to their local church so that they can contribute in the expansion effort. What kind of Christian does that? Immature Christians. That can't happen here. You cannot burn down the church that is feeding you and that is helping you and establish you to establish something else. We have to do better than that. We have to be able to support the work that created the men that we're sending. And we have to support the men that we're sending. We'll be faithful to our tithing in our local churches. And... We will be faithful to tithing in our local churches. Oh. We will be faithful to tithing in our local churches. And we will give generously to the One Association Europe establishment. If you feel moved during this conference at any time, it's really an easy thing. You're not allowed to give to the One Association domestic. You also will not be allowed to give to the One Association Europe. One Association has never taken offerings from individuals. You will have to give to your local church and say, in that little field where you get to put a tab, this is an offering for the One Association Europe. And we want you to do it. In fact, we're not going to we're not going to make this awkward. I admit that I often make things awkward. This is our 8th conference, and almost every year in the conference a different person comes to me. And they're like, "I I believe in what you're doing and I'm excited about it and I'd like to write you a check. I think I can fund a lot of what you're doing." That's happened to me almost every year. 
if this sounds very personal to a few of you, it's because you said it to me. And I said, you are not worthy to give to the One Association. Give it to your local church. I can't tell you how often that didn't happen. I'm not going to stand here and say I'm calling in all of those markers. But I'm not saying I'm not either. I would give both of my kidneys to see these men succeed. And they're going to succeed. They're going to succeed with you or without you, but it is your privilege to help them succeed. You can give through your local church on the giving app. Said, look, dude, inflation is high. Do you know it was hard to even get here? I get it. Look at your retirement account. Look at your savings account. Look and see where you have equity. Think about eternity. Somebody said, I can't believe he said that. You can't believe how serious I am about this. Y'all think I'm riding a motorcycle because I don't like air conditioning? I've already sold everything I have. There are lives that are on the line right now in Romania. Right now. In fact, there was a need for a life-saving operation where somebody has about a 50% chance that they could die at any moment from something like an embolism. It's a hereditary issue. The mother of this person did die from this issue. Do you know that they did not mention it because they were scared that if we gave money to the life-saving surgery, it would delay the arrival of these pastors? They value the presence of these pastors more than the life-saving surgery. That's the kind of people we're talking about. And Romania is not happening without Italy. They are one team. I just returned from Italy, and I am certain as I am standing here that we must do both and do it at the same time. So there are people waiting in two countries for the arrival of this team. Our greatest hope is to send them in the spring of 2024. That means that we have an urgent need at this very moment for hundreds of thousands of dollars to relocate four entire families. If you have followed my preaching and teaching on any level, and some of you really love me, and some of you don't, and I know that, but you love your pastors and they love me. I've never made appeals for money for anything other than somebody else's ministry. And I am telling you, now is the time. What the Lord has asked of us feels like we are wading out into the Red Sea and it is building all the way up to our nose. And you know what? We will do it or drown trying. And we're not going to wait until we have what we need. We're not going to deny you the future testimony that we went without what we needed and trusted God for it. But you do have the opportunity and the privilege to help us in the greatest expansion of the gospel that the One Association's ever seen. And it's over a decade in the making. I'm going to suggest, because it's 10.05 or 10.10, it is 10.10, isn't it? 
Yeah, Jen's like, yes. <laughs> yes. I love to hear you say that, but not about how long I've been preaching. Why don't we stand on our feet? I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. I know that your hearts were moved while these men preached about personal things that you must do. Removing diacrino. This whole conference began with a home meeting where we set out to build a kingdom without carnal competition because we thought Jesus deserved it. Are you so sure that you're called that you just cannot risk funding your future work by helping fund this one? That's an interesting way to start your ministry. Are you so sure that you're called and that you are so called of God that you can ignore the oaths and not master the teachings? Are you really that anointed? Because I've seen a lot of anointed men come and go. We're going to master the treasure that we were given. Amen. We're going to destroy those little areas of division that, yeah, but that's just the way they do it. No, it's not they. It's we. I'm not going to pretend like they're not good anymore. They've built what you're seeing. And you've benefited from them whether you liked it or understood it or not. And now it's time to do it for another people group. So examine your heart and see if you're as one association as you should be. I'm not trying to eliminate anybody. I'm trying to pull you into the thing that God planted you in. Your pastors are completely united in this effort. 100% and without hesitation. And it took no persuasion to get them there. The Spirit of God got them there. If your pastors are behind it, shouldn't you be? Examine your hearts for diacrino. Ask God to give you the privilege of participating in the salvation of other human beings that will come into the one association Europe. We will plant churches. We're going to do it in Indonesia. Brent Vincent is building something amazing. We're going to do it in South America. Buddy Brasso is, you're going to hear from Buddy tomorrow. We're going to do it all over the world, and we are going to help you plant your churches. But you don't want to have to hang your head on that day because you failed to help others. We're going to pray, dismiss, and come back here tomorrow at 10 where Pastor Buddy Brasso and Master Piro, Pastor Slap You with the Torah Piro, are going to continue to expound on these things. Once you've destroyed the diacrino in your heart, consider picking up a genuine, real commitment to the mastery of the tools you've been given. It's very discouraging to sit with such called people that cannot reproduce the teaching. Oh, yeah, I took it. I, I, I got it. I, I under <laughs> Why don't you recite it for me? Uh, uh, well, see, the thing is, uh, you know, our class was a long time ago. 
These are not classes to be passed. Amen. It's a lifestyle. Yes. Destroy diacrino. Consider your commitment to the original foundation stones and then consider funding the next step in the expansion of the gospel. Consider the most radical step you can possibly take. Let's pray. Can y'all hold hands? That'll help break down diacrino. You're like, but COVID spreads like that. So does love. <laughs> Father, what you have given us is truly beautiful. Your people are beautiful. They are your inheritance. Lord, you are building your inheritance to be of the same substance and attitude as you are. And we thank you for it. Lord, we, we still cry out, change us. Lord, change us. Reveal in us those, those hidden motives that we didn't know were there. Reveal to us, mighty God, the areas of discrimination and distinction that we have even within the body of Christ. Help us, mighty God, purify us that we might be an offering acceptable before you, a rich and verdant offering. And Lord, we ask that you would empower us to be generous towards funding the salvation of other human beings. Lord, in the day of our request you favored us and answered us with salvation now make us to be a covenant for other people Hallelujah. in the name of jesus we pray amen, amen.